Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So this morning in the book of James, we're going to talk about a subject that is in everybody's mouth these days, the tongue. This is a subject that's kind of hard to swallow, pun intended. Beginning in chapter 3, if we look at verses 1 to 12, you're going to see that James is going to talk to us about something very important. And the problem is, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. Depending on your age, there was a song that we learned years ago. I don't know if any of you remember, it was called Dem Bones. Does anybody remember Dem Bones? Right? Okay, Keon, good job, Keon. Way to, way to back me up. Keon remembers that. It was called Dem Dry Bones, and it was a well-known, check this out, traditional spiritual song used allegedly to to teach basic anatomy to children, although its description is, is not anatomically correct. The melody was written by a fellow by the name of James Wilden Johnson. That will be on the test. And the lyrics were based on Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, where the prophet visits the valley of dry bones and causes them to become alive by God's command. Now, labor with me for just a second. The lyrics go something like this. Dem bones, dem bones, dem dry bones. Now hear the word of the Lord. And it's followed by these verses. You remember this. The toe bones connected to the foot bone. The foot bones connected to, and it it goes on, right? The leg bones connected to, and, and that's how we learned that. The leg bones connected, and so forth. You go, Pastor, what's your point? It's not your singing. No, it's not my singing. But here's what I want you to see. You ready? When it comes to the tongue, it's not connected to any bone. But the tongue is connected to the heart. The tongue, our tongue, is connected to the heart. Now, listen. The Word of God declares in Matthew 12, 34... Jesus is speaking, and he says something very profound. He says, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? Why, Lord? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what he's saying is, for a man's heart determines his speech. Do you guys see that? So in essence, we need to heed the instruction that James is giving us Because it's not simply the tongue that he's addressing. Listen, the tongue in itself is simply a six to eight ounce muscle in your mouth that can be a tool for either God's glory or, as James puts it, a world of iniquity. What you and I this morning need to fully understand is the tongue is simply a private, if you will, to where the heart is a general. The tongue is a private because the heart is a general giving the commands. As we make our way through James chapter 3, 1 through 12, I've entitled this message, The World's Smallest Troublemaker. And most of you probably thought, oh, that's the tongue. How many of you in your life have said something that you only wished you could rewind at that moment. There it comes out, you're like, rewind, you know, we want to do that. But I want you to think about this. Put on your thinking caps for just a second. You see, although your tongue is about six to eight ounces, your heart really is about the size of your fist. That's about the size of your heart. Now, let me unpack it this way. The Apostle Paul declares in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 13, he writes, their throat is an open tomb with tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Paul is talking about the tongue. But James is the one who brings out a a very descriptive teaching on the tongue. Now, before we move on, 
we need to remember James talks about the tongue, but we have to remember the tongue is connected to the heart. And we have to heed the warning if you and I want to grow and be strong Christians. Okay? We have to heed the warning. You ready? Let's go. Now, remember, if you're taking note, this is, this is what you need to do. You need to write in your Bible or you need to take note. Because so far, James has given us two characteristics of becoming a mature Christian. Two characteristics. You go, what are they? First of all, in James chapter 1, he tells us that we need to be patient in trouble. We need to be patient in trouble. And then in James chapter 2, we've learned that, we, that, that the Christian practices truth. So not only are we patient, but he practices truth. And in this chapter, James chapter 3, we're going to see a third characteristics on how to become mature, how to grow up. And James tells us this, the strong, the mature Christian has power over the tongue. Has power over the tongue. And we have to be careful because it is in those notorious gossips that we realize, oh, I have to have power over the tongue. Back in the day, it used to be busybody Gladys's would hang over the fence and they would talk all about what was going on in the neighborhood. But we don't have to do that anymore, do we? We have, we have smartphones and we can gossip that way or we can talk or we can text and so forth. But it reminded me of a story and I'm going to point to the pastors because, because it reminded me of this story. There were four preachers who met for a friendly gathering. During the conversation, one preacher said, our people come to us and they pour out their hearts and they confess. What do they confess? They confess certain sins and needs. He looks at his friends and he says, let's do the same. Confession is good for the soul. In due time, all agreed. One confessed he liked to go to movies and would sneak off away from his church. The second goes, oh, no, no, I confess I like to smoke cigars. Where the third one confessed, oh, I like playing cards. Well, when it came to the fourth one, he wouldn't confess. What's your secret or vice? He finally answered, it's gossiping, and I can't wait. I can hardly wait to get out of here. We have to be careful with the tongue, don't we? Now, it's apparent that James wrote those to those who had a serious problem with their tongue. Because if you remember back in James chapter 1, verse 19, what did he tell us? He said, be what? Be swift to hear. Come on, everybody. Slow to speak and slow to wrath. He's always guarding us about what we say. Always. As a matter of fact, in James chapter 2, verse 12, he declares, speak and act as though we were already facing Christ in judgment. He says, don't, you've, you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. And most of us, if not all of us, have a hard time taming the tongue. This is heavy-duty stuff. Why? Well, listen. Church, this isn't a motivational speech from James. James doesn't give us the rah-rah. James, let's get to the point. We have what? We have to do something with it. So in order to impress us on the importance of watching our tongue and the consequences it could bring, what does James do? Well, he uses six pictures of the tongue. You ready? You can jot these down if you want to. He's going to talk about the bit, the rudder, fire, poisonous animal, a fountain and a fig tree. Again, the bit, the rudder, fire. This is, this is in with the tongue. A poisonous animal. Wow. Fountain and a fig tree. Now, again, if you're taking notes, James is going to break this down into three main points. You ready? He's, we're going to see the power to direct, the power to direct, the tongue, the power to direct. We're going to see it's the power to destroy. Come on, somebody. The power to destroy, but it also has the power to delight. The power to delight. Okay? Long intro, heavy stuff. Let's look at what James says, the power 
to direct. How so, pastor? When it comes to the tongue and words that hurt or heal, no better place than to start with the pastor. Peter's looking at me like, "Uh uh-huh, you go get it, buddy. Go get it. Yeah. See, James points out to the leadership first before he deals with the saints. I think that's important. Notice verse 1 with me. James writes, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing, what are we knowing, James? That we shall receive a stricter judgment. A stricter judgment. Okay? Now, that's just verse 1. So you know what I wrote on my words right here? Okay, I quit. I'm out. Why? Because as the pastor, the word of God just declared to me that I am going to receive a stricter. What does that mean? It means larger or greater. He says, he says you're going to receive this larger or greater judgment. And I looked up the word judgment, and it's a decision, a condemnation, and judgment. Now, if I can have your attention for a moment, who would want this? Who would want, hey, I think I want to be a pastor. No, you're going to be judged. Oh, 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 oh. But Lord, you've seen the sheep, right? Is it just, no, 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 it's you, Ben, it's you. But Lord, I mean, Moses was like, Lord, the congregation you gave me. But it's not that. He says, no, no, no. Hey, Ben, listen. He says, brethren, brethren, let not many of you be teachers. Knowing that you'll receive a stricter judgment. It's easy to take the position of a teacher lightly in church without considering the costs and the terms of accountability. Jesus warned, to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to much who have been committed, of him they will ask more. Listen, church. Here's what you need from your pastor. You ready? You need your pastor to fearlessly proclaim God's word and only God's word. To study and to bring good teachings week after week. That's important. Listen, when some of you go to the hospital and you want your pastor, and for some reason I can't make it, let me say this. You will forgive me for not visiting you in the hospital but you cannot forgive me for not teaching you the Bible. It has to be God's word. You need me, you ready, church? To love you enough to tell you the truth. You need to love you enough to tell you the truth, even difficult ones. You need me to cultivate, now listen to this, a strong relationship with my wife so that my mind isn't distracted when it comes to God's word. You go, amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. And here's what I need from you. I need you to pray for me and for the other pastors. I need you to realize that I'm just a man with a call from God. Listen to me, church. Pastorals, pastors, they're not something that go, hey, I think I want to do that. That looks fun. Man, how about you stand up in front of all these people and, oh, that looks great. It has to be a call from God, and it has to be a call that you cannot shake. You guys know what I'm talking about. You see, when God first called me into the ministry, I thought it was like anything else. If you know what I'm talking about, in 1970-something, the, the movie Rocky came out, and I think I was like four years, no, I was a little bit older than that. And, and so what happened is Rocky came out, and you guys know what happened. Everybody wanted to be like Rocky, So what would happen? We'd get up, we'd drink raw eggs for no reason at all, and we'd go running until we threw those raw eggs up. But we're going to be like Rocky. We're going to fight. It was a movie. You get caught up in that. And don't tell me you didn't do this. When Top Gun first came out, all of you wanted to be fighter pilots. You were just glamorized by that. All that stuff. And, 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 And you realized you couldn't. Just a movie. But let me tell you this, when God called me into the ministry, I thought it's going to go away. It'll go away like everything else. It'll go, it'll go, okay, God, I'm, I'm just, and it wouldn't go away, and it wouldn't go away. It wasn't something that I chose. It wasn't something I was like, and it's a calling from God. 
But you realize that your pastor and pastors are just men with a call from God. We make mistakes. I know that's hard for you to understand. I get it. I don't know if you know this, but we sin. No. So, Pat, you know what I need from you, church? I need you to have grace on me. I need you to have grace on my family. And I need you to have grace on each other. The heart that receives God's word, even if it's tough. You see, there are going to be things said from this pulpit that we go, I don't like that pastor. He said that. You can't do that. You go, Lord, is that from you? Do I need this? Listen to me. We have to be a church. We have to be a church that is in love with Jesus because the saints around us will bug us. And you cannot leave a church because, well, I don't like this person or that person said something to me. We don't leave churches for people. We go to church for Jesus. We come because he's fearlessly proclaimed from here. And that you don't walk out of here knowing a great illustration or a funny joke or whatever it might be. You walk out of here going, man, I just know more about God and, and I'm walking with him deeper and this is amazing. That's what we need. Well, yeah, so-and-so did that. Yeah, yeah, guess what? You know sheep. You guys know sheep? You're all sheep. Everybody say bah. Yeah, you're all sheep. You did it great. Ah, you got to do it better than that. Okay? If you're a sheep, raise your hand. Okay, did you know sheep are dumb? You go, you got me, I got you. But I'm dumb too, why? We're sheep. And when you go, what, do you, what does a sheep do? A sheep will eat the grass. And then he'll eat the dirt. And he'll continue to eat the dirt until he throws up and dies because, because he needs a shepherd. That's how dumb sheep are. And we're all sheep. And listen to me, you ready? And we're going to rub each other the wrong way at times. We are. I may be, listen, listen, my wife's not in here. She's probably out there, but she, I'm a very focused person. And I'm very focused at the time where sometimes I'm looking at something, somebody's talking to me and I don't even hear them. Well, I'm offended. Pastor didn't talk to me. I'm gonna go find a church that the pastor will talk to me. I just say, I'm sorry. I'm just focused. And especially Sunday morning, we've got all this stuff going on. We're going to rub each other wrong. Can I get it? Can we get it? Can we agree? We're going to rub each other wrong. We're going to think that somebody looked at us weird. Oh, they looked at us weird. No, we're just sheep. When you're sheep, you go and you move on. That's what we need. That's what James says. And you go, why? Everybody ask why. Look at verse two. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Whoa, whoa, what's he saying? The greater accountability of teachers is especially sobering. How so? Well, in light of common weaknesses. After all, he says, we all stumble in many things. And the ancient Greek word here for stumble doesn't imply a fatal fall. It implies that he trips up and hinders what? Our progress with the Lord. It's just that, oh, oh, it's just a, it's just a fall. And what James says is that we all stumble. And James includes himself among those who stumble. But he doesn't excuse his or her, or, or his or our stumbling. Why? Because he says we all stumble. He says, but we should all press on to a better walk with the Lord. And it should be more and more less stumbling than when you first started out. That's growth. That's growth. You, a really simple illustration is, is think of a little one. Think of your little ones when he first started walking. Do you remember when your little ones first started walking and their head was too big for their body? And they're like this. And, and, and you as parents were so, oh, she's walking. And they're like, we get so joy. But what happens is they start to grow that they don't stumble too much, do they? And then they start to run. And you're like, oh, no, he's gonna, they're going to run in there. Man, here's the thing. Whenever I see little, my grandson Jesse running, 
he comes running, I think he's going to fall, he's going to fall, he's going to fall, because he is going with everything. And then he's like, ah, made it. That's the point, guys. As you grow in Jesus, there should be less stumbling. <laughs> there should be more of a, okay, I, I, can, I, I, I can walk. That's how it should be in your spiritual walk. Anyone doesn't stumble, James says. He's a perfect man. You go, what does he mean by this? Well, James provides for you and I a measure of spiritual maturity for teachers and all Christians to not stumble in word shows true spiritual maturity. This is especially relevant to teachers who have so much more opportunity to sin by their tongue. So how do we get the power? How do, how do we get to the power of the tongue? Well, it's found in verse 3. He says, indeed, notice the illustration. We put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. We turn their whole body. Look, also at ships, although they are so large, they're driven by fierce winds. They are also turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot decides. I mean, isn't that the truth? The bit and the rudder are small, but extremely important. If they are not controlled, the entire horse is out of control. And the entire ship is out of control. Something as small as our tongue can be a tremendous power for either good or evil. We know that. Our tongue. Check this out. You don't solve the problem of an unruly horse by keeping it in the barn. The problem of a hard-to-steer ship by keeping it tied to the dock. In the same way, even if you said, that's it, Pastor. According to James, I'm taking a vow of silence. I'm not going to talk. If someone asks me, I'm going to go, But that's not the answer, is it? So what has to change? Well, it's not what you say, but what has to change is your heart. Your heart. You see, our hearts need to be transformed. Picture your heart like a sponge. Whatever you put into it, when squeezed, comes out. And when your heart is squeezed, where does it come out of? Your tongue. Your tongue. This is a heavy teaching, guys. Welcome to Calvary. Because it has the power to direct. Now, you might be in the point of our study going, um, um, come on, James. Seriously, bro. You're making a mistake by connecting the sins of our tongue with the sins of our whole body, in which he would say, no, I'm not. Why? Because words usually lead to deeds. You understand that? You first, what do you do? You first start thinking. You start thinking. You start over and over. It moves your your heart, and then when it comes out of your mouth, that's what you tend to do. You tend to do. Back in World War II... There were posters everywhere that said, loose lips sink ships. But James would tell us, loose lips can wreck lives. And you say, how so? Because he's going to give us point number two, the power to destroy. Look at verse five. Even so, the tongue, remember, even so, he talked about a bit and a rudder. He said, even so, the tongue is a little member. It boasts great things. And he says, see how a great forest, a little fire kindles? You go, Ben, what did he say? He said, your tongue is so small, but it can do enormous damage. A great forest can be set on fire with one tiny spark. That's what he's saying. Oh, church, listen to me. When it comes to the tongue, we must be so careful 
And the way we're careful is how we grow in maturity in God's word. Think about what he said. You see, because it was the great Chicago fire of 1871. Do you know how it started? It started by O'Leary's cow knocked over a small little lantern in the bar. And it spread so fast that 100,000 people were homeless back in 1971. 1871, sorry. 17,500 buildings were destroyed and it killed 300 people. And this cost the city of Chicago in 1871 over $400 million. Just this tiny thing. So the tongue is very small, but it can do enormous damage. Look at verse 6. And the tongue is a fire. Notice what he says, a world of iniquity. Wow, James, come on, we want people to come back to church. The tongue is set among our members that it defiles the whole body. And it sets on fire the course of nature as it is set on fire by hell. Whoa, whoa, James, 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 what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? He says, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. He says, the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The fire of the tongue has been used to burn many. Do you remember that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? We used to say that all the time, but that's not true, is it? That's not true. Why? Because our words have so much impact that well after our arms, our bones are healed, you can still be traumatized. We have to be so careful. Married people, married people in here, be careful what you say. You can hurt your spouse deeply. Yeah, but I didn't mean anything of it. We have to be careful. We have to be we have to grow in maturity. Would you can we all agree that that married people we have to learn communication? I'm not saying talking to each other. I'm talking communication. We have to learn that. We also have to learn, I'm going to put on a marriage seminar right now. We also have to learn to fight fair. Come on somebody. We don't fight fair, do we? We bring up the past. We bring up all this. Well, you did this. You, no, it's, it's communicating. We have to learn to com- because that's, power of the, that's part of being a, a mature Christian. That's part of being is, is this maturity. Why? Because it says, well, sticks and stones, right? No, 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 no. Listen, I can't tell you how many times little kids have grown up and... I'll never forget this story. It was one little kid who um, his stepfather told him that he was horrible. He was a loser. He was never going to amount to anything and so forth and so forth and, and didn't realize that he grew up and he was just this genius and was very smart and, 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 and made a huge contribution to society. But he kept being told that all of his life. And this thing right here, the power of the tongue, it can edify and encourage or it can destroy You can cut somebody down. You want to know a really quick way? You have to be careful. Ready? You be careful. My opinion only, my opinion. If you're talking to your spouse or you're talking to somebody else and your words are very quick and they're not well thought of and the person you're talking to shuts down, be careful with your words because you might have said something that's like, oh, it's not good communication. Be careful. Be careful. This is what James says. This is what James says. What others say to us and what we say to others can last a lifetime for good or evil. Wives, wives, look at me. Tell your husband he's good looking. You go, but he's not. No, don't say that. I mean, no, you tell him that, and I'll tell you why. Because the power of the tongue is really, if you don't tell him that, somebody else will. Somebody else will. 
Husbands, please tell your wife, tell your wives, she's beautiful. She's, I mean, here's your homework, man. Here's your homework. I want you this week to tell your wife at least once a day something amazing that she's done. If she's washed your clothes, honey, thank you for washing my clothes. It's not a stereotypical thing, but thank you for doing that. Honey, thank you for, do it. Do it. Because again, guys, we want to hear these things. And we got to be careful, church, because the sarcastic, the casual sarcastic or critical remarks can inflect what? A long-lasting injury for another person. Or a well-timed encouragement or compliment can inspire someone for the rest of their life. Proverbs, guys, Proverbs speak of the person who doesn't consider the destructive power of his words. Like a madman who throws, what, firebrand arrows and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, oh, I was only joking. I was only joking. We, we, we don't do that. We don't do that. And James echoes the testimony of the Proverbs re- regarding the tongues. Think about this. In Proverbs chapter 10, 19, and 21, it says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is, is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. Proverbs 12 and 25 says this, Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Proverbs 16 and 24 says, Pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 18 and 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. Verse 7 in the, back, in the book of James says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? It's funny, my illustration is here at SeaWorld, and somebody went to SeaWorld for the first time since they were little. But here's the point. You know, at SeaWorld... What do they do? They train the whales to do everything. It's just such a great thing. You can tame the whales. They jump for food, dolphins, and all that good stuff. They do all kinds of tricks. But you know what James tells us? What's that? James says, but no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Wow. I'm all looking at you, and every one of you has a tongue. We could set the world on fire in here, couldn't we? Got to be careful. Got to be careful. No man can tell. Yes, I can. No, James says, you can't tame the tongue. That's it. That's it. I know that's it. When I get home, I'm going to have a vow of silence, and I'm not going to. No, that's not the point. The point is, let's take a first look at our heart and then realize, you know who can tame the tongue? God. God. God can tame the tongue. But we can. Why? James says it's full of deadly poison. Hey, can I, can I do this? You know what a great antidote to deadly poison from the tongue is? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. If someone comes and says something to you and it hurts your feelings, Lord, help me to forgive them. Listen, church, this is not even in my notes, so I'm not even going to charge you for this one. When somebody says something, and it might be hurtful, and it's out of character, try not to be hurt by it. Go back and say, are you okay? Because that's not like you. And your person might go, you know what? I'm really having a bad day. 
I'm really having, I'm really struggling. I had this on my mind and you were the first person I saw. And so, and don't we do that to our, don't we do that to our spouses? They're the first person we see and we unleash on them. We got to be careful. We got to do better. James is telling us to grow up. Why? He says, Lord, I can't tame this thing, but you can. Help me to walk in the spirit. Help me to pray without ceasing. Help me to just be really careful in my business dealings, in my relationship dealings, and what I need to say. And, and here's what I love. I love this, and, and I've tried to mimic it, because my pastor, Pastor Bill, if I'll ask him a question, and it could just be about anything, he doesn't answer me right away, which sometimes can be annoying. You're like, your answer! It could be a yes or no, but he goes, hmm. And I think it's important that we think about before we speak. Are we having fun yet? You guys got awful quiet. You're like, when is it over? It's like going to the dentist, right? And you think, you're getting that. You're getting your root canal. And you're just like, when is it over? That's almost. It's almost over. I want you to put on your thinking caps because James says, our tongue is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. The untamable tongue is even more dangerous when we consider the deadly poison it can deliver. Think about this. You ready? A woman came to John Wesley, and she goes, Pastor, Pastor, I know what my talent is. I know what my talent is. Okay? John Wesley goes, hmm, what is your talent? I think my talent from God is to speak my mind. John Wesley goes, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Tell me again. I think my, pal- my talent is just to speak my mind. To where John Wesley replied, I don't think God would mind if you buried that talent. Speaking forth everything that comes to mind is unwise and poisonous speech. Wow. The tongue has the power to destroy. Can we agree on that? but it also has the power to delight. Look at verse 9. With our tongue, James writes, we can bless God our Father, and with it we can curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. You guys with me? With our tongue, what's he saying? It can be used for the highest calling. We're blessing God, right? We come in. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I mean, this always blows my mind, so we have to do a heart check. Come on, church. You need your pastor to be honest. We have to do a heart check because you can come in here and you can worship God and sing at the top of your lungs. You go, amen, and get in that car and say awful things to your spouse or to the waitress or to whatever it might be. We just got to be careful. Got to be careful. Because it said it can be used to bless God and it can be used to the lowest evil to curse men. But those who are born again, it shouldn't be said that out of the same mouth precede blessings and cursings. James says in verse 10, out of the same mouth precede blessing and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. What's he saying? You and I, we can't be walking around, praise God, oh, praise the Lord, and then turn around and go, let me tell you some things about you. You're this, and you're that, and you're a low life, and, 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 and cursing, and all of these things. Which one's false, church? Which one are we catering to? <sighs> James, what do we do here, buddy? He says, man... When it comes to believers, you go, well, Ben, listen, there's some false, this is, this is some false expectations because I'm human. And sometimes I get angry. And sometimes I'm, Ugh! he's not talking about that. He's saying your character, out of your heart, many of these things come out. Many of these like, oh. James, what, what, what do you say? He says, well, look at verse 11. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the... Of course not. 
Of course not. It's either fresh or bitter. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? No. He says, thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. James says to you and I, these things ought not to be so. Here's what it should be. You ready? Our speech should be consistently glorifying to God. We shouldn't use one vocabulary or one tone in speaking to the church and a different one at home or on the job. Wow. We know that, right? Right? We, Sunday morning, we come in. How you doing? God bless you, bro. How are you? Good to see you. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and we're just, and then we get to our job and we're like, we can't do that. Or we get home. We get home. James says, we got to do a heart check. Because I'll tell you what the greatest little troublemaker is. It's not our tongue. It's our heart. Our heart needs to be transformed to the glory of God so that you and I are able to what? To speak love and forth and encouragement. And that doesn't mean we don't speak the truth in love. We speak the truth, but in love. Oftentimes, many of us speak the truth, but it comes out harsh, and it comes out angry, and it comes out bitter, and it comes out awful, and, and, and instead of growing together, somebody's hurt, and it's like, oh, it's far better that we, we speak the truth with a lot of love. Hey, hey. Sometimes, come on, church, help me. Sometimes it's better not to say anything than to speak your mind. It's just sometimes it's better to go, nope. This is not a hill I want to die on. This is a non, it's not a big deal. Well, he just needs to know. He just needs. Let me let you on a little secret. We all know we're sinners. We all know we mess up. Wives, potential wives. Your husband needs encouragement. He's doing the best he can. He needs, he needs that. Come on, I got you. I got you. When your husband, when your husband discovers something in the Bible and he comes to you so excited, he says, "Oh, I, you know what I learned today? This is so good." Don't look at him and go, Psh, "I learned that in Sunday school." Come on, get with it. That'll kill him. Wow, honey, that's great. Tell me more. Cool. Even though you know it, because women, you're a lot smarter. I get it. I get it. That's incredible. Good job. Good job. See, If we're talking about married people right now, let me say this. Wives, what a man needs is respect. That's what the Bible says. When you use this to cut him down in front of people, to disrespect him, that'll kill him more than anything. Even if your husband is the biggest bumbling bum there is, you don't disrespect him in public or in private. Men, your wife hears, she's, she's not very visual like us. This is where you communicate with her, through her ears. Okay? Okay? The Bible doesn't really speak on, it doesn't say wives love your husbands, and I'll tell you why, because they show that all the time. They're, they're very verbal. Oh, I love you, I love you. And us men go, <laughs> yeah, me, me too, baby. A 
where's the food? No, I'm just kidding. But if you tell her, tell her, tell her you love her, tell her she's beautiful, tell her you appreciate her, it'll do, it'll, it'll do wonders for your marriage, I guarantee you. Why? Because the Bible says, husbands, love your wives. He tells us, he commends us to love our wives. Women, he says, respect your husband. But it's all done in the power of the tongue, right? But where does it start? It starts in the heart, right here. Where's my heart, Lord? I can't change my own heart. God transformed it. God's changing me. And this is what he's going to do. We have to be careful because he says, no spring can yield both fresh water. And he says, James points out to the ultimate impossibility of such contradiction. If bad fruit and bitter water come, continue to come forth, guess what it means? There's no contradiction. What does that mean? If bitter water and bad fruit are coming from your life, you ready? I love you. You have to check your heart and make sure you're a Christian. You have to check your heart. Go, Lord, I, I'm not sure if I'm really saved. Because if I were to characterize myself, I'm angry, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, and I'm just constantly. That's what James says. That's what James says. So as we close, the foot bone is connected to the ankle bone. The ankle bones connected to the knee bone. The knee bones connected to the hip bone and so forth and so forth. But here's what we need to know. Our tongue was connected to the heart. But we can surely learn what to say and what not to say. If we try real hard, we can learn the skill of speaking properly. But I say this to you. You ready? If the greatest problem in the universe is a failure to honor God in our lives and in our hearts, then we've simply dealt with the exterior, our speech. I've learned to say, amen, hallelujah, praise God. But the principle found in the word of God is this. You ready? Can we deal this morning with the heart? What do you mean? Confess our sins. Allow him to transform it so then our tongue will follow suit. That's what we need to do. And when then what happens after that? Blessing God out of a pure heart and an authentic heart. Guard our tongue. Change my heart, O oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O oh God. May I be like you. Amen? Father, today we thank you for your word. Um, heavy. Heavy. <laughs> Father, if we're honest today, some of us in this room are convicted with the things that we say. Some of us, God, have been careless in speech. Quite honestly, Lord, some of us in here are still a little immature, but we're growing. But Lord, all of us in here have a heart. And so my prayer, God, is that your power of your Holy Spirit, your spirit, Lord, would would lead us to Jesus to transform our hearts. And that might require some confession today. That might require some, Lord, forgive me, I'm so sorry. I'm asking now, Holy Spirit, to do that work in our hearts to bring us to that place where we can honor you with our tongue and we can glorify you with our speech.
And Lord, when we do mess up and we do say something hard or we do say something harsh or we do say something ugly, that we would quickly retract it, Lord, and say, please forgive me, I didn't mean that. I'm so sorry. Lord Jesus, there are two phrases that are really, really hard for Christians to say. The first one is, I'm sorry. But more importantly, the second one is, will you forgive me? And that means to people, and that means to you. So let me do this. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here today or watching online, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben? I'm really not sure if I'm saved. I, I don't know if I'm a... Well, you keep saying a fully devoted follower of God. I, I mean, I have some issues, but I, I'm not sure. Listen, if you're here today and, and you just struggle with some of this stuff, you're still a believer. It's not a salvation issue, but I want to talk to you and make sure that you're saved. Make sure that you have a heart for God. So if you're here today with every eye closed, no one looking around, if that's you, would you say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I just want to surrender my life today. And all you have to do is lift up your hand and say, Ben, pray for me. I want to be right with God. Would you do that right now? If God is speaking to you, all you have to do is go, Ben, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I always want to give you an opportunity to do that at church. If you're here today, and uh, man, you go, wow, that message, whoo, that hit home. And just say, Lord, it's all you. Thank you. Forgive me. I'm going to do better to follow you. Change my heart, oh God. Change my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, don't forget, Wednesday night, we're in the book of Ezekiel. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to pray a blessing over you as we stand and sing one final song. I love you guys. I love you enough to tell you the truth. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and a hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you're a new, if you're a new guest with us, if you're, if you're a visitor, please don't run off. We'll have someone at the info counter. Uh, don't forget our bookstore is three doors down. Come in wide selection and say hi to somebody. Love you. College group, 6 o'clock tonight. Invite your friends. We'll see you there. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.